Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couch Politics. My name is Justin, and today I'm joined by Sergio, Daniel, Manny, uh, and Daniel. And uh, today we're going to be talking about two topics, and that is Andrew Yang, Beto O'Rourke. And I just want to remind you all that you can follow us on Twitter at Politics Couch, and you can also contact us directly if you have any questions or concerns at couchpoliticstalk uh, at gmail.com. Uh, and you also remember to rate us on your uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So let's go ahead and jump right into today's topic. And first, we're going to talk about Andrew Yang. Uh, he's been making a lot of rounds in the news. And actually, I heard that he actually got enough donors to make it to that first debate. That's right. Um, so uh, let, let's talk a little bit more about him. So what do you guys know about Andrew uh, Yang so far? Like what? Like, give me something big that you've uh, heard about him. Um, all right, so I have very minimal exposure to him. I actually, I remember Daniel was talking about him um, and how he had been on uh, the Joe Rogan experience. I was like, all right, I'll check it out. Um, so far, the thing that really sold me on him, he was like on some Fox News like sub YouTube channel, like some subcategory of the main one, and he was saying some stuff. He's like, we don't need capitalism or socialism. I was like, all right, now you got me. Now you got my interest. And then he was talking about how basically the economy will enter a phase where everything's got to get automated. Like that's his big thing. He he's always talking about is like basically all the jobs that would have been jobs for just high uh, high school graduates. Um, they're going to get automated, and we need a solution for that. And you know he's like you can't teach people how to code because that's the data shows that that's not really efficient. Most of these people are old, and he basically landed on. Uh, universal um, income, which at first I thought was total garbage, and part of me still wants to think it's garbage, but he had numbers to back it up, so for the time being, like, I like Andrew Yang, for the time okay. being. Okay, uh, yeah. Manny, do you have... Okay, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I mean, I just recently started learning about him, um, and one of the things I found fascinating is that his popularity, like, actually grew more Um after he appeared on Tucker Carlson's show, mm-hmm. which right. says, which says you potentially might have some Trump supporters who at least find him intriguing enough, support him in a way. Um, right. It's funny that you say is, that. I, it's, it's funny that you say yeah. that before, before you go ahead. It's funny that you say that because I actually read an article this morning, actually, that said that a lot of right wing, I'm not sure how true this is because the, 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 the um, article I was reading came from a left-leaning uh, leaning magazine, but mm-hmm. uh, it said that Andrew Yang is actually picking up those Trump supporters that are disillusioned with Trump and think that the that the United States is actually going into the toilet and there's no saving it. And basically, they're like, well, if it's going to go in the toilet anyway, I might as well get an extra $12,000 a year to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I think he's also the... Um, the only candidate that's talking about the issues that, you know, that half of the country cares about, which is jobs and the economy. Word. Yeah. Like I'm, I always say like, listen, listen, like I'm, you know, like I know there has to be a lot of social justice, like reforms, um, reform bills like that have to be done. But for 50% of the country, um, they don't give a rat's ass about that. Um, Agreed. What they care about is jobs and the economy. 
um, because these people are living in trailer homes in the middle of Kentucky, like struggling to provide families food. And the last thing they want to hear about is something like banning plastic bags. (laughs) Um, Like they want to hear about how the hell am I going to get food on my family's table? So uh, it's intriguing to me that, in my opinion, he's the first like Democratic candidate that's focusing on the economy. Okay. Uh, Daniel? Um, So from what I get, under the Joe Rogan podcast, um, Andrew Yang spoke about the the need to address automation. And there's plenty of ideas that I'm aware of as sort of theoretical ideas about future, about the, the future that we're headed into. One of the ideas that people know about is the, the issue of climate change that, that we are going to have to deal with the fact that the earth is not going to be this fertile ground for, for life um, yeah. in our future. It's going to have some fertility issues as far as sustaining life. But another issue is that we're not uh, realizing is automation. Um, he, in the Joe Rogan podcast, Andrew Yang, actually talks uh, thoroughly about auto- automation as it relates to the truck industry in the united states mm-hmm. and how you know um it would displace a lot of people i forget how long how many i, I don't know if it's in the millions or mm. uh, you know displace a lot i mean it probably is in the millions if you count um, it, the it was a it was a big chunk of people and he was also talking about how if you displace those workers and you displace the families and then also all the industries that they benefit off. So like all the motels and the diners and yada, yada, yada. And it's like all interconnected. Yeah. Right. I mean, the motels and also, you know, their families, communities, like it worsens the communities and it, it leaves the community disenfranchised. And so let me talk about automation at a certain level, you know, even intellectual jobs that might require a college degree may soon find them uh, may soon be on i don't know how soon but it may be on automated the current right. research right. right now the hottest subjects in computer science and mathematics is um, learning uh neural nets and and artificial intelligence right uh, when you hear about things like artificial intelligence or deep learning or n- neural nets it, and stuff or machine learning, what this really means is that um, you teach a computer. It's like what, what you could do is show a computer a um, hundred pictures of dogs and a hundred pictures of cats and let it know that it's not seeing a, a dog, it's seeing a cat or it's not seeing a cat, it's seeing a dog. And mm. through this, machine that we've created the machine itself will correct its its internal brain to recognize a dog or to recognize a cat and then furthermore later you can teach it you can tell it to draw a dog for you and it will but right now you know the dog comes out really messed up looking but it, it okay. looks like a dog but it, it, it's funny to see what the, the machine thinks a dog looks like but eventually this 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 gets very powerful in the sense that once this gets good, which it will, it will lead to crazy results like machines being able to do things um, and replace 
intelligent jobs. And we don't know right, the craziest right. part about this is that we don't know actually technically how they solve the problems they solve. Because they, we they let, just solve it? We, well, we let it create its own brain. In a way we've we created its 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 brain and then it builds its brain. Like it, it teaches its own brain. It's freaking creepy, man. I mean, it doesn't teach its own brain by itself. We've, we've programmed it to recognize a dog or to recognize a tree or to recognize this or that. And then that slowly builds up to being able to do different things. Well, basically what you're saying is is that eventually these machines are going to get so good that they're going to replace uh, basically not, not just un, like quote-unquote unskilled jobs, but also jobs where uh, you need to have a college degree or some advanced training. Yeah, basically a lot of the economy is is going to be threatened by this and we really have to look toward what to do in the future. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the real answer is to live like people in Star Trek where um, people are just guaranteed food and, you know, you you learn things or you do something, but like, you know, money might not be something that exists in 200 years. Okay, but that's right. that's, so that's, really that's that that you're talking about how they're just given stuff. Like I don't know. I watched this whole compilation. They had like Elon Musk and Ben Shapiro and like Jordan Peterson talking about like the universal basic income or whatever. And like, so okay, so say everyone is given stuff. Yeah. So like, how do people find the purpose then? <laughs> like, like, do you just like sit there and wallow in your in your filth like Dante's Inferno style? Like, is that satisfying? Well, well, in in the case of Andrew Yang, I mean, he's only promising you a thousand dollars a month. Now, you you can't live on a thousand dollars. Well, you can't live well on a thousand dollars a month. You Definitely can make it work. But you're gonna be. I mean, in most places in the United States, twelve thousand dollars a, a year is not gonna be able, even be able to pay your rent. I mean, by the time you pay your rent, that's it. Eight hundred dollars right. of that goes to rent. Uh, you may have what two hundred dollars left for food if it's by your if you're by yourself. Maybe you can make it work. So a hundred dollars, right. you still need a cell phone. You got to pay for your phone bill. Right. So a thousand dollars is is nothing. So because at first I was kind of like a thousand dollars to like every person in the United States, whether you work or not. I mean, isn't that just kind of like giving money away? And in the way it is, but you're still struggling. It's below the right. And to be honest, so it, you're still incentivized to work, which is the good thing about it. I mean, unless you want to sit there and struggle and be lazy, that can right. be you. But think about what twelve thousand dollars does for, say, like a family of two people that's working. That extra twelve thousand well, dollars can come in. Pretty and bad. Andrew Yang's model, like I understand that you still like. Obviously, it's just going to be like a little boost. Like I, I totally agree with it. But like, I wonder. It's like, all right, take away Andrew Yang's model and say the economy or, you know, the big word society just gets to such a high level that you basically like, like what would happen? I'm, I'm entertaining the Star Trek scenario, so to speak, that, you know, everything is basically taken care of. Cause when you talk like economic theory, we're at the, uh, what's it called? The high consumption rate or whatever, where it's just, so you just constantly consume goods. But then, like, what do we go after high consumption? Like, ultra, mega, high consumption, hyper consumption? Like, what are they even going to call it? Like, what are people doing? You know, does everybody just become an artist after that? You, you know? Well, I mean, I, I, well, we have to, first of all, we have to survive long enough to get there. But... <laughs> I don't know, but I'm saying <laughs> and, theoretical, you know? 
But I mean, if if we did if we did hit that hit that level, I'm not sure what that would look like. Uh, and as Karl Marx said, no one knows what the next level of economic development is going to be. I mean, if you ask people 100 years ago, you know, before capitalism came along, what capitalism would look like, and you explained that to someone, I'm pretty sure they said like, "You're nuts. That's not going to work." Right. So I I don't know what that next level so, would be. I mean, you can theorize that maybe we'll just all sit around and do and do whatever we want. Uh, we'll find some purpose someplace else in life but um i mean human beings are pretty tenacious and have a tenacity to adapt to whatever situation they're in so i, I assume that in some way we would adapt so, but before we get like too far off off topic though um before you know you have this universal basic income right where does this money come from from universal basic income yeesh. that's that's the that's my only that that would be my one criticism of of this i think it's a good idea you talked about me- Medicare for all and, uh, you know, the Green New Deal. And we say, like, those are too expensive. Uh, where do you find, where do you think we find money for universal basic income if we do something like it? He said something about a higher tax rate on the big corporations. Right. And I forget what he called it. But again, the guy knows his numbers. So, so far, it's like every time I want to disagree with him, he's just like, oh, he's got the numbers. <laughs> um, but he was basically yeah. saying mm-hmm. something about like, uh, a lot of other countries do it and it's like just a fixed uh, balance i think on the like the mega corporation so to me that's good because you're not attacking small businesses because everyone goes let's attack businesses like no you moron <laughs> like a lot of people mm. need those quote-unquote small business and small business can like fill right. keep a whole community going or like a state going because that's small right it's not mega agreed where in the budget do we find money for universal basic income because we talked about it on this podcast before. What is it called? The universal income thing? Basic income. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's pretty much in a way, I feel like the reason why people are jumping, like, you know, are jumping on it so quickly is because of mm-hmm. the fact that. Yeah. So, yeah, I know he, he not only just for corporations, but also the top marginal tax um, as well. Like AOC has been talking about 70, I think the highest was 90%. And that was under Republican president. president. So, um, and, and the economy and the economy was doing good at the time. So, I gotta tell you, um, listen, no, yeah, go ahead, I, Dan, man, man. I gotta say, like, I feel like this universal, you know, like there's a group of Democrats and liberals out there, like who look at socialism, and are like, yo, yo, like, what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> you know I mean, no, no, for real, I generally do think so. So. You know, I feel like, you know, like there's liberals who hate capitalism, but at the same time don't support this whole notion of becoming some sort of like socialist state. So I feel like that's sort of the, you know, like in the middle option. I do think it's going to eventually like hurt him once the debate starts, because that same question that you just asked, like everyone's going to pretty much just like barbade him with the same question, you know, like, where is this money going to come from? Now, if he manages to have a response and explanation that people buy into, but if he really doesn't have a clear answer, but you never know, right? Because Trump didn't have answers to a lot of the uh, policies like that he promised. So he became president. So as long as he finds a way to connect to people, then he might have a chance. But Mm. one thing I think is that I don't think Andrew Yang is running on a single issue. He hasn't really commented on anything else. So I don't 
know if his president merely campaign or the basic idea that our government needs to start thinking about what to do with the very um, with the with the with the reality that people's jobs are going to be automated. We need to start thinking about what to do. And this the reason why Trump got elected. He got elected with by vote of, of people who were displaced. So there's going to be more people like that, except the factories are going to machines. And we it's it's an issue regardless or not of whether whether or not Andrew Yang is voted as uh, is elected president or elected the Democratic nominee. The one and single issue he's pointing out that makes him um, that problem will not disappear. And it will be something our society has to deal with. And he's bringing light to it. And so I really see his presidential run as, um, as a campaign to bring us enlightenment toward this new idea that the fact that we need to address um, the automation as country. Um, yeah, like I agree uh, with Daniel. Yeah. I agree with Daniel. I think this is just a political platform like for him just to like I guess bring this idea out into people's minds. Like I don't think he necessarily thinks that he has a chance for the presidency but I think his main goal is to just get this um, economic idea across like into people's minds but another thing i wonder is that you know in the last election what made bernie sanders so hip was his like economic ideas and free school and all and all this and all these things and now that i'm looking at all these candidates and i don't mean to go too sidetrack here but i feel like like bernie sanders like coolness starting to get lost a bit because now you have a guy here that has a new fresh idea um and now you have uh what's his name that just announced that he's running today and i feel like among this pool now bernie sanders doesn't look as cool and hip anymore that makes sense i i would agree with that i think that uh basically basically bernie sanders brought a lot of progressive ideas that were kind of hitting in a small progressive movement to the forefront and now everyone's jumping in the bad wagon he's no longer the only guy peddling those those uh those ideas anymore so basically he went from being a big fish in a small pond to being a big fish in a big ocean of right. other fish trying to peddle to have the same ideas one of the things that strikes me when i listen to the democratic candidates is that a lot of the other candidates are trying to make themselves popular right now and you know, having their beautiful speeches that, that, that will make people clap. When Bernie talks, he's just talking. You know, he, he's <laughs> exactly what he's always thought. And it's always, you know, that's what got him popular last time, and that's what's going to keep him popular this time. Um, he's dealing with a lot of young people, young meaning 50-year-olds, 40-year-olds. <laughs> you know, Ignorant uh, you know, well, he's dealing with a lot of um, uh, of other people in his in, in the Democratic Party and in, in the Democratic pool who are just trying to copy him. And I don't. I think it's going to be interesting to see the debate stage. Um, but I do feel like copies of Bernie in, in various genders and colors versus Bernie might not be as um, 
you know, I, I, I think Bernie's the most genuine out of all of them as far as somebody who just sounds like he's a leader just telling exactly what he thinks. Yeah, but, this is, but this is why I feel, I feel like the copies of Bernie and Bernie, if someone comes up that sounds like genuine and have a fresh idea, then the copies of Bernie and Bernie might not have a chance. You guys, like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like right. if somebody comes up who sounds, you know, like a genuine person too, but has a fresh idea, I feel like the copies of Bernie and then Bernie won't have a chance if that makes right. sense. Right, which is what, where I want to come to. Andrew Yang has these fresh ideas that are def- definitely thought-provoking and definitely will make the Democrats have to think about what what to do in the future. Um, I mean, so I, I really hope that Andrew Yang's thought, uh, ideas get brought along but i hope that um i hope you know he gets very popular so that any so that his ideas can't just be labeled as some extremist agenda like like you know we saw a a, a strong left swing coming from bernie's political revolution but you know you know they need the swing needs to be hard enough to to break the the sort of stagnant old Republican ideologies that don't want to see change happen. So, um, yeah, that's my thought. That, that I hope Andrew Yang gets popular enough that, that his ideas can break um, the stagnant status quo. And so before we stop talking about Andrew Yang and move on, there's one other um, idea that he has that he's talked about maybe not, so, not getting as much attention as his universal basic income. Um, but there was an article I read where he also uh, wanted to do something like social credit. So basically, you would get like credit for good like community service. So like you would do things like community service or community like there's good stuff in the community, and you would get what was called like something like social yeah. credit. I'm not sure, sure exactly what that was called, but yeah, you would get like a credit saying like, all right, he you get like it was kind of like a, like when you're in school and you're good and you're doing you're a good student. And you get, yeah, like, well, China star has that. It's like an episode. Black mirror. Yeah, right. So what happened was, um, in his article of speaking, he was like, his social credit idea isn't the same as China is what he's saying. Uh, he basically said people see that he's Asian and that, you know, the Chinese have something similar. So they say like, oh, he must be wanting to do that. But he said his is different because it's not going to be used to like, the government wouldn't use it to like put you on a, like a social, wouldn't use it to discipline you. But rather reward you for doing good See, stuff. I don't so, trust like in China, the government for that. to help you. Well, yeah. It, well, that's another thing. You know, you you're right. When you are giving the government some power over you, they could be like, "Well, you know, we look at your credit and like, you know, because like, okay, like you not do, you don't have as much good social credit as exactly. such and such a person. So it could be used in many different ways. You know, it's like the thing is like I don't care if he says, "Oh, they want to use it." Listen, people will always find a way to use it against you and. All right, listen, I think the government has the right amount of power with the court system. Um, and that's mm-hmm. enough. They're already your judge. Now they're going to be like a micro judge on your morality. And it's not even like <laughs> what you're doing wrong, which I think is all the government needs to do is tell you what you're doing wrong. But now they're telling you the stuff that you could be doing right. I think that's too much. Right. And it's also like who sets up the criteria and what does the social credit get used for, which would be my next question. because I haven't heard that one. Right, I for, I forget exactly what it would be used for. I I, I remember he he said what it would be used for, but I for, I, I I don't forget. I I mean I forget. <laughs> I don't forget. Yeah, I forget what it was. Um, 
but yeah, so I think I think he has some very interesting ideas. I think Daniel's right. This brought at least brought the idea of automation to the forefront that we need to talk about this because there will be an issue that we need to discuss. Um, and if we don't deal with it like it, with the same way we you know we're kind of ignoring climate change the same way, we're gonna it's gonna suddenly be upon us and we're gonna be scrambling to find a solution for it. And a lot of people probably will get hurt in the in the in the meantime. All right. So we're gonna take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now we're back, and now we're gonna talk about uh, Beto O'Rourke. Um, and he's been making some headlines uh, recently. A lot of people have been wanting him to run uh, in the Democrat uh, to be, run for the Democratic nomination. Uh, what do you guys think about him? Well. I saw that he supports a $15 minimum wage. So by default, I think he's an idiot. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to start off from there. I'm already disappointed. Um, however, oh however, you know, he's like one of those Texans, Texas guys that loves Hispanics. So I'll probably like some of his policies, but like the $15, like minimum wage, man, it's like, you're losing me already. You're losing right, me. We're- we're definitely going to come back to the $15 minimum wage thing. All right, what about you, Manny? Uh, you know, I feel like he has a lot of Obama-type like qualities in terms of being likable and, you know, you know, like this dude, that comes off as likable. But um, I'll tell you what, based on what I saw this morning, like he has um, – he's going to have, like, the media on his side because all my professors this morning – and journalism, we're all talking about like how great of a candidate he is, how he's going to be the perfect candidate. Um, What's he got though? Exactly. I mean, like, and to be honest, like, I have no idea about like who he is, like, really, because I'm not from Texas, so I personally do not know him. Um, but to be honest, like, it's 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 going to be hard for people to vote for someone who like has not been who has not been senator or like a governor it, it, right makes any right. sense or like some so sort I mean, of like successful business I mean, they <laughs> voted they voted for for trump and he he he's he hadn't served in political office i mean you can kind of yeah. say he was a successful businessman but a lot of his businesses have, have gone bankrupt but you see trump is a, a genius and he's a god-fearing man and that's why he got elected and and the J in his name is for Jesus, yes. Exactly. But you, but um, <laughs> I think I think the reason why he's such a big hit for a lot of uh, Democrats is the same reason Chris Christie was a hit for a lot of Republicans is that uh, he almost won in Texas as a Democrat, uh, a, a kind of progressively Democrat. He actually had Damn. a pretty close race with Ted Cruz, um, in Damn. the same way, like you know. Chris Christie here in New Jersey, which is a Democratic state, overwhelmingly Democratic state, was governor, not for one terms, but for two. So I think that's what they look at. And they're like, OK, if he can do that in Texas, maybe he could do it in Alabama. Maybe he can do it in North Carolina. Maybe he can do it in the South where they're really conservative. But we can tend to like swing some of those people our way. And maybe we can like snatch a state here or there. I, I think that's that. why they want him. The same, so I think it's a lot of moderate Democrats, or maybe not moderate, but establishment Democrats that look at him and say, "Okay, this is someone who he leans. He he he's still progressive, um, but he's not as progressive, I think, as some of the other candidates, and 
he can we know he can perform well at least in texas texas is it's its own world man like right so, so different but still i mean it's good that he was able to do that in that state but i don't think that necessarily uh means that he can go in and sweep like the south or snatch a state here here or there but i think that's what they look for and they're like he has the potential to do that um so yeah see, i think that's why see part of that is like i feel they just want a democrat for having a democrat's sake like i know like it's not like trump is an ideal and it really doesn't take much to be better than him but Sometimes I feel like it turns into this whole thing. It's like, the Democrats have to win. Why? Because we have to win. Like, dude, like, what are his policies? What's he going to do? Is he really better than Trump? Which, again, I said it doesn't take much to be better. But, like, I don't know. Well, I'm trying to say is I don't know who the hell this guy is. And I would at least like to have more information before everyone gets so excited about him, you know? <laughs> well, this is, I know he, he, he's definitely not for the wall. Uh and, and well, first of all, let's point out that generally all the Democrats want really is someone that can beat Trump. That's yeah. what they want. Um, they don't really, I'm not going to say they don't care about the policies, but the number one foremost thing is can you beat Trump? It's the reason why they were so scared when Schultz came in and said, like, hey, like, I'm going to run as independent because they, they said, you're going to split the vote and we can't beat Trump. That is the number one goal. So if you came in someone. and you had the best policies in the world, if your policies don't guarantee that you can beat Trump in the next election, uh, yeah, you're, you're done. Yeah, so, I, I agree with that. I don't really buy into the fact that he, you know, that he can. Uh, yeah, he, he can did win. great in Texas. But mm-hmm. like, I think the reason why he did great in Texas is because um, for multiple reasons. First, like he ignited the Democrats that do live in Texas. And second, I feel like a lot of Texans felt that Ted Cruz like had the election in the bag. So these mm-hmm. hardcore Republicans, you know, like they didn't go out to vote for Ted Cruz because they're like, why should we? Ted Cruz is going to win. So then you had like the Democrats in Texas, which like the numbers of Democrats in Texas has increased in recent years. Right. Because a lot of people. So you had those Texans then come out to vote. Uh, like a lot of these young like Texans who are. Um, liberal, like in from these urban cities, like you know, Dallas and Houston. I think they went out to vote like strongly for Beto, but like I'm still not convinced because I just feel that the Republicans in Texas thought that Ted Cruz just had it in the bag. Um, mm. I think they themselves, because like Texas is always a state that it's blowout red. So, like, as a Republican, if I see Ted Cruz running against a Democrat, like, me, myself, right. you know, like, if I was a Republican, I'd be like, no, like, I'm not going to go out to vote. You know what I mean? Because it's like, why waste, waste my time? time? Ted Cruz is going to win. So, I feel like that happened in Texas. Like, it's possible that he did, like, you know, but that's the reason why, like, I'm not fully convinced in that notion that he can, like, flip states. You know what I mean? Mm. See, I was thinking going back to like they just want someone that'll beat Trump. The one thing I want, I want the Democratic Party to realize, is that they need to stop worrying about all these progressive agendas and social movements and like like they need to drop that. And I literally think they just need someone that can trash talk with Trump. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> like not even like. 
<laughs> does he care about jobs, the economy, like none of that. If he can just play the same right. game and knock him down a few pegs, you got a winner. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that it's come down to that. But I think if you're going to win, you need someone that can just beat him at his own game. That's it. Yeah, like I think that these nice, beautiful speeches that like I see the Democrats do, like I really think that's not going to do like anything like to move the needle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's kind of like what Daniel said. Like, like you need a candidate that people feel that had the bar like with them. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I think America has gotten tired of of these politicians with the nice, cute little speeches. I think that's the reason why I think you know, right. Right, that's man. the reason why Trump is president. That I think that's the reason why Sanders did so good in the last election because I these agree. guys come off as your, you know, like. You're, you know, they come off as genuine. They come yeah, off as yeah. real. Yeah, come off as real, you know. And I think that right now I see a lot of these candidates on the Democratic side with these nice, beautiful speeches. And I don't think it works anymore because, you know, it didn't work for Obama when he was campaigning for Hillary Clinton. And that's President Obama. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I think America just wants to hear somebody that sounds like them. And to be honest, if if none of the people on the other side can do that, then not hard for them to win. Right. And, and just so like we can, you know, really talk about, um, uh, O'Rourke's policies a bit better. Uh, here are some policies that, um, he's talked about. Uh, and, uh, he says that he, he, well, he wants to spend Medicare, but he doesn't want, he does not want to get rid of private health care insurance. Um, okay. he is for legalizing marijuana, um, he is for increasing uh, uh, funding for education. Uh, he is he praised the Green New Deal. Uh, he thinks that climate change is something that we need to to focus on. Uh, and um, so yeah, so those are some of his big policies that he's come in that he's um, going to be talking about as as president or as running for uh, the president of the United States. Um, so yeah, so he's progressive, but he, he, he hasn't gone as far left as some of his opponents where they're saying like, you know what, we need to get rid of like the private healthcare insurance altogether. No, uh, no, no, he, no. he wants to keep that. And actually he pointed to a bill that someone's pushing forward to expand Medicare, uh, instead of just getting rid of the private industry altogether. Hmm. See, I'm, I'm with the education. I'm always with anything that's pushing education. And I know he's going to get a lot of votes just from the marijuana thing. Because, like, even even the most least politically active, like, works at Hot Topic person will hear that he's pro-weed. And they'll be like, yeah, I'm voting for Beto. Like, that's how it works, man. Like, most people aren't doing the research. They're not looking at policies they disagree or agree with. They just hear one flash word. They're like, (laughs) word, weed, word, education. They're down. All the all the parents from the PTO, you know, they're there. Like yeah, all, all the, the all the parents who uh, basically pay to cheat their kids into you know <laughs> to, to school. They're they're down too. They're down. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, I think Sergio's right. Like you know, a candidate like that supports weed can straight up go in the street and kill ten people, and people will still support him. Exactly. You know? So, I think that he has that in terms of like of an advantage too. Um, and to be honest, like it might sound crazy because there's all these candidates, but based on the reaction, like I hear from him, 
like like I have a good feeling he might get the nomination. I'm not saying that like I necessarily want him to get the nomination, mm. but because I always see that Democrats kind of pick the people who are like, you know, who they want, kind of like the establishment wants. I think the establishment like wants him. I still I right. still don't think that like progressive have like has um I don't think they have still the power to decide um who they want as no for the nomination. Yeah, I think the well, establishment think, still has that power. Well, I think what's what's gonna happen is, is this. I like I agree with you that the progressives, at least this election, may not have that power. Yeah. I, I mean AOC has has like thrown out some hints there like oh you don't do such and such i want to give a list to my grassroots activists and they'll well you know we won't campaign for you guys or we'll campaign against you um but um i think what we're going to see like you said i think it's going to be an establishment candidate that goes forward uh and look at the candidates the big ones out there I mean, you have like, let's see, uh, Kamala Harris. I feel like she's just rubber. I feel like she's just rubber stamping everything like progressives say. Marijuana, uh, you know, delegalized? Yeah, sure. Uh, Medicare for all? Yeah, sure. It's just like, you know, like I'm not sure how genuine she is. I don't trust someone that got into her positions the way she did. Like, well, I mean, that's that's gonna come back to bite her too. Just well, that's where she's. But she's starting to sound like Hillary Clinton, who like yep. would change her views like every month just to like be cool and like right. to get the nomination. Like you can't right. win like, like that because people don't. For try. me, she, yeah, because for me, like all the other candidates don't feel like they're suddenly like they feel like they've been put like like Elizabeth Warren. Say what you want about her, she's been fighting to break up like big banks for like a while. She's been fighting people on Wall Street for a while. Right. right, right. Uh, Bernie Sanders, like Daniel was saying, is, he's, he's been doing this for a while. So th- these aren't like guys that are just suddenly stepping into these platforms, or at least they don't feel like they're suddenly stepping mm. into these platforms. With her, I feel like it is. Cory Booker, I don't think it's – there's nothing really, like, you know, explosive about him besides the fact that he's, like, a black dude, uh, intelligent black guy that people may see as the next Obama, but – I don't think he's no, going to get it. No, like, I don't even think he has the likability. Of I don't think so. Especially, I think... like, with Beto, like, in the election. Yeah, I don't think no way, like, like, Cory Booker's chances, I think, went down the drain now. He's just sure. lacking charisma. Like, I just don't. Exactly, yeah. I see that I dude agree. talk. Beto, he just looks chill. Like, something about him. Like, he looks, mm. I don't like what he has to say, but at least he looks likable. That That actually matters. It does matter. Yeah, that matters a lot. And then, of course, there's um, Amy Kovacher. I think she has a shot because she may be able to grab some Midwest voters uh, because she's from that area. She's kind of like, I'm not too sure about the Green New Deal. Um, So I think that kind of puts her in a place where she can maybe finesse her way in there. But I I don't think she'll be able to. I think O'Rourke may have the best chance of getting out there just because I think he's on that midline between like where – if I'm a progressive, if, you know, all things goes wrong, I'll still vote for him because, like, I don't like Trump. And then, like, for the moderates and for the establishment, it's like, okay, this is a guy I can vote for and don't think that, the you know, the, this is the worst thing. Like, socialism is going to be on the list next. Right. I don't misunderestimate, like, the power of the media, too. I mean, like, I feel like... Sure. It's, 
I got to think about the fact that the media is 90% like liberal and in the way I feel like the like the media got like Hillary Clinton like the nomination as well because they all like pretty much throughout the whole election like they were pushing the narrative that hey like Bernie Sanders has no chance you know like he's right right you know he's overperforming but still like he has no chance that was kind of the narrative and if the media and like likes Beto, and I'm saying this based on the reactions of my journalism professors who all work in the media currently. Right. Like, if he has the media's backing, then, like, homeboy's gonna get the nominations, because it's like, there's no way, you know, because the media has still power, too, you know what I mean? Right, they they can push in their, a narrative, because, right. like, with, with right. Sanders, they probably were saying, like, hey, he's not gonna get it. So people may be like, well, why would I go vote for a guy who doesn't right. have a chance? Anyway. Right, yeah, yeah, and there's a and, lot of yeah. people that would be like, yeah, like, I'm not going to vote for Sanders because we all know that Rick Clinton's going to get it. But guess who right, was telling right. them that? It was CNN, MSNBC. So the media has a lot of power. But, but there's a flip to side it. to that. There's a flip side to that. I totally agree that the media has power. But I really, I'm really fascinated. And part of this is me being a fanboy, but I'm really fascinated how much influence Joe Rogan's podcast has on people now. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> that's a big deal. And it's like alternative media, but like millions of people yeah. tune in for this guy, man. And that's right. a sidetrack, and that's a sidetrack. But in this election, that type of media is going to like also have um, an impact. And I think this is going to be the first time that we're going to see how much that type of media like, has an impact in this election. Because the truth is that like normal media um, is dying out, especially like TV media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there's YouTubers who have more viewers and, and subscribers than um cnn and msnbc like in terms of viewers right um yeah and stuff like that so i feel like like in this election because you know a lot of these people got big during last election too yeah so i feel like now um like this brand new like digital like you know um podcast and youtube type media is gonna have more have an impact in the last election. So, like, it's true what Sergio was saying, like, it could also be, like, a different case in which Dude, a guy like been... Joe Rogan might have more of an impact than like, Anderson Cooper. Right, like right. That. And even, like, memes and stuff like that have actually influenced election because it's really just more clever propaganda. It's, like, low-effort propaganda, and it works. So... I feel like that's why I, um, I feel that lately these candidates that have... Um, a unique personality are succeeding too is because like believe it or not you know if a candidate um, gets a lot of meme time um, like that's pretty much self-promotion too if there's a candidate that does funny stuff I guess in debates and and comes up in memes that's that's pretty much like free campaigning for the candidate too I know that sounds yeah. crazy but I think that's the day and age like, that we currently live in. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, who who knows? Maybe the, this podcast one day will uh, influence future elections. You never know, right? Yeah, gonna, and they got to put hits on us, man. Influence my own election. Yeah, make America sexy again. Right. All right, 2036. After Kanye. <laughs> After Kanye. Yeah, after Kanye. All right, guys. So I think we'll we'll call it quits here. It's been a good discussing uh, with you all about uh, you know um, Andrew Yang and Beto and 
um, what uh, future, what the future of media holds, uh, you know, alternative media such as YouTube, podcasts like this, uh, and other uh, types of media, memes, Twitter, and the effect that that can have on elections. So going forward, there are definitely some things you have to consider. You have to consider the effects of automation and and um, whatever. Uh, that brings along. You have to consider digital media in this new day and age and how that can affect not only the candidate's future, but also our own. So I want to thank you. Thanks to everyone who listened to the podcast today. I want to, once again, encourage you to check us out on Twitter at uh, Couch Politics, at Politics Couch. You, that's our Twitter handle, at po- Politics Couch. And you can also email us with uh, questions and concerns at uh, Couch politics talk at gmail.com and remember to rate us on your favorite uh pod, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast uh so thank you for listening and this is the end of episode six hey. of couch politics <laughs>